Hey listeners, it's been a couple of months since the last update episode, so I thought it was time to make another one. This time around, since it's December and we're coming up to the end of the year, I think it'd be fitting to be a little bit more reflective. We started off the year with a couple of entrepreneur interviews in January and February, then the budget breakdown and case studies on bike sharing and the career of Li Ka Xing. Two more interviews would come in May and June, with episode 25's talk with Vivian Chan probably being the most inspiring to me. From one student, it became six. So six people training at my living room. <laughs> I was making like $600 a month mm. from just four weekends. Mm. Mm. So you started with no capital? No capital. No, no past business experience, and then from the outside, you're already you're already making about you know six hundred a month. Yes. Barely, you know, but 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 doing this, you were barely spending any time at all. It was just basically a couple hours every yeah, weekend. I just had to wake up early, week eight a.m., train until nine. Yeah. Then the rest of the day, I'm free again. <laughs> <laughs> and episode twenty six is talk with Mint Lim, the most eye opening. I mean, I know I I had no idea at that point in time what a social enterprise is. Yeah. Um. I, I all I understood was that um I wanted to help. Mm. I mean, I saw a lot of children walk by my center. Yeah. Uh, it, I think what changed my life was that I opened a particular center at a low income area, and yeah. I I saw many children who were loitering outside, and yeah. they were as young as like four year olds. It struck me, you know, when I asked these children, you know, why why do you come here every day, mm. but you don't want to take lessons? Mm. And the answer. I mean, I think their answers really changed or really, really shook me a bit. Mm. Gave me answers like, you know, my parents cannot afford it. Mm. You know, I, I, um, my mother said I only have five dollars to pay for this tuition. How mm. much is it here? Mm. And when I and like I, I remember a five year old girl asking me, how much is the tuition here? Mm. And I would tell her two hundred forty. A five year old girl asked you that. Yeah, and mm. I said two hundred forty, and she said, "Wow, that's a lot of money." At five years old. I, how would you know that 240 is a lot of money? What, how, how, how exposed are you, you know, yeah, to, yeah. to the dynamics of this world, to the dynamics of um, social economic uh, factors that will affect your life? Mm. So that's, that's when I started to realize and notice this. July, though, was when things really kicked into gear. The second half of the year began with the Obike deposits rant, possibly one of my personal favorites. And so here... We are the great O-Bike standoff of 2018. As of July 10th, O-Bike has begun clearing bikes off the streets but has overstayed the July 4th deadline. And Liquidator's FTI Consulting has yet to announce a full deposit plan. So, will users get their $49 back? Will the LTA give O-Bike some breathing room? Will O-Bike find a way to resolve this mess? Who knows? You'll probably find out soon in the coming weeks. But for now, let's look at how all these three parties are acting like idiots. Idiot number one, O-Bike. Followed by drastic shifts and experimentation with music and storytelling through episodes on Ben Davis and the Futures, of Hibiki. Described the aftermath. Well, what happened then when the bubble burst? On that day, I think it was December 29th, 1989, the Nikkei Index, which is the index for the Tokyo Stock Exchange, hit a record of over 30, 39,000. 
Within two years, it had withered to 14,000, and it bottomed out at 8,000 just over a decade later. prices traced a similar trajectory. In the early 1990s, over the span of just 30 months, Japanese investors and landowners saw $2.5 trillion in the value of their assets simply disappear. described the 1990s as Japan's age of vanishing wealth, when a generation's worth of capital creation could evaporate in only a matter of weeks. And then the monster two-parter on the rise and fall of Olivia Lam and High Flux, notable for the heavy use of interspersed audio clips and background music, as well as one of my proudest bits of mixing and writing all year. Victory, so the seeds of her ultimate defeat. End quote. What Gaston's writing implies here is that Hyflux, a company that had no prior experience in the energy market, basically tried to undercut the industry's biggest players. And to contextualize the gravity of the situation here, this is pretty much like if a hawker stall owner suddenly decided to open a full-scale French bistro but at hawker stall prices. I mean, to some extent, having an ambition and taking action on it is admirable. But doing so without understanding your own limitations is a recipe for disaster. In the case of Olivia Lam, while she undoubtedly had the expertise and know-how to pull off the job, the low prices at which she agreed to sell water to PUB meant that there was barely any margin for error. Similar to how she first expanded her business into China, this was again terribly naive and incredibly rash. Sad to say then, that things didn't pan out as well as it did before. And when the energy market authority opened up the industry to new players in recent years, this introduced a greater supply of energy in Singapore, leading to lower electricity prices and thus lower revenue for Tua Springs power business. This, as it turns out, would be the death knell for the IWPP, wiping out any measly margin of profit that he had hoped to produce and leading to the record losses of 81.9 million in 2000. In 17. Olivia Lum, just like Icarus, flew with her eyes closed, reached for the sun, 
and was sent spiraling to her demise. The biggest experiment of the year would come in the form of the audio drama special episode The Insurance Lady, which while being one of the most challenging to produce, was honestly quite a bit of fun. Now, listen carefully, because I'm going to give you a life lesson here. You can't have your cake and eat it too. This is a sales job. It is about as demanding and as difficult as any profession out there. If you want to survive and do well, be prepared to give 100% of every single waking second of your life. Because not only will I be hounding you for your sales targets, and you can bet that I'll be ready to cut you off the second you don't deliver. But you have to meet the whims and fancies of all your clients. It doesn't matter if they're asking to meet at 7am on a Sunday morning on the other side of S-Town. doesn't matter if they call you at 3am or some godforsaken hour. You do your job. Because every meeting and interaction with a client is a potential sale waiting to happen. And if your interests are going to get in the way of that and in the way of my profits, then I'd rather cut it off here and not waste our time going forward. Okay? And finally, we close off the year with two deep dive episodes on fish soup and air conditioning, which is admittedly lighter in tone compared to the prior episodes, but I thought it'd be more engaging and closer to the aim of the podcast, which is to examine economics within Singapore. Are you recording? Oh my gosh, is this for your podcast? Can tell me first before you record or not? Ah? This is Lee Ing, a colleague of mine at work, and the very person from the introduction who dragged me out to lunch at 10.30 in the morning. So, can you tell me again why we are going for lunch so early? To beat the queue lah. You think I got so much time to spend waiting meh? I got a lot of work to do leh. Okay, 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 okay. And uh, where are we going again? Amoy, I told you already. Oh my gosh, can you walk faster? <sighs> so, we finally reached Amoy. And surprisingly, at around 10.50am, there's really quite a number of people here. Yeah, cause you walk so damn slow, please. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, gee. Um, so which one are we going to again? Don't know yet. Let's see which queue is shorter. Queue? At this time? Are you... What the...
I have lived in Singapore for almost my entire life, and I can tell you that there are some things that still baffle me. There's our colloquial language, Singlish, which involves a variety of different languages, but which is still understood by locals of all races and colors. Then there's our peculiar habit of rushing everywhere, be it by foot or by car. And fun fact: Singaporeans are actually the fastest walkers on the planet, as measured by a study by the British Council back in the early 1990s. And then there's the peculiar "gasu" attitude, which, when translated from its Hokkien origins, comes to mean afraid to lose. Being Kiasu is so ingrained in our culture that it can perhaps explain our other quirks, such as why so many parents send their kids for extra tuition, why we're always rushing everywhere, and on this blazing hot Tuesday morning at around 11 a.m., why there's already a long queue for fish soup. All in all, 2018 has been a year of change and experimentation. I mentioned in the last episode of 2017 that this year would be bigger and better, and indeed, through these 15 flagship episodes, it really feels like it has grown. From May of 2017, when I first launched the podcast, up until June of 2018, I was honestly a little bit of lack of direction. At times, it felt like I was just doing it for the sake of coming up with new episodes, and it was just bouncing back and forth between random subjects and interviews. However, after taking my annual leave in July, I decided to experiment heavily on the post-production side of the show, and after a few more months of tinkering, I think we may have the first inklings of a definitive brand or style of the podcast with episodes on fish soup and air conditioning. It's narrative-driven. It touches on local economics. It's got music and structure and transitions, and it's probably the closest that I've ever been to emulating a Planet Money or a Freakonomics episode. Which, in itself, and in hindsight, I find honestly kind of remarkable. Of course, there's still plenty of space to grow, and there's always room for improvement. But looking back, it's hard to deny that the podcast has come a long, long way. And of course, a lot of the motivation and inspiration for change in the second half of the year wouldn't be possible without the wonderful community at the Podcast SG Group. It's provided me with plenty of new ideas on how to take the show, as well as some measure of competition within the growing industry to push us all that little bit harder. Thanks to the group, I've also been able to launch the podcast spotlight side series, where I've been able to talk with and share our love for podcasts, as well as help to promote the growing industry. It's really amazing to see how it has grown from just a handful of people to close to 40 members today, with nearly 20 distinct podcasts. And I hope that this will inspire another wave of content creators to come in 2019. As for now, I'm going to be taking a break in December, where I can get a head start on production for the coming year, as well as spend some much-needed time with Effie in the States, enjoying the fantastic Midwestern winter and the warmth of my lovely wife. 
Much thanks to everyone who's listened and has continued to listen throughout the year, as well as to the many guests and collaborators who have come on the show. 2018 has been quite incredible, but here's hoping that 2019 will be even better. To better times and better content ahead, happy listening.